So if you have your Bibles, guys, let's go to um, Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Now, what I'm going to do over the next couple of weeks is we've been studying in our midweek uh, small group time, the book of Hebrews, right? And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to take some of the concepts from the book of Hebrews and highlight some of those on Sunday morning. First of all, because it's a great book, doctrinally sound, that, that, that marries and brings you from the old covenant to the New Testament. It takes us from Judaism to Christianity, all right? And we need to have a solid foundation on what we believe and have a doctrinal foundation for our, our walk of faith. Can I get a witness? So I want you to understand that uh, it's very important. And I also want to, because some of y'all are missing some of it, but I want to encourage you, it's not too late to connect. We're studying the Bible, and we will always study the Bible here because God's word is what gets us where we need to be, all right? So, so I'm going to be... be Picking out some of these concepts from the book of Hebrews to highlight so we can begin to enhance our study on, uh, on Wednesdays, okay? So go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and we're going to begin reading at verse number one. I'm going to talk about this morning, entering God's rest. Everybody say, entering God's rest. And I'll do my best to try to unpack uh, as much of this as I can today uh, to help us to enter God's rest. Uh, Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Verse number one. Is that where we're going? That's it. Hebrews 4th chapter, verse number one. Y'all there? All right, let's read together. It says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Experience what? God's rest. Watch this. Next verse says what? Let's go. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good. The first question you ought to be asking yourself as you're reading this text is, who is them? Them, those people are the children of Israel. And many times the Bible lets us know that a lot of things happened to Israel and they were recorded for our admonition and for our instruction. The Israelites were God's chosen people. Because God, in order to save mankind, decided to interject himself into human history. Are you all track with me? Now, in order to inject himself into human history, he had to have a family unit to come through. So he chose the Jewish nation to birth the Savior into the earth realm. And, and, and as he chose it, he told Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, many nationalities. And through that, through Abraham on down to Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, the, you, we see God protecting the seed that he was going to use to deliver mankind. Are y'all with me today? All right, so them is the nation of Israel, the, Jewish, the Jewish people. But it, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Let's keep reading. Next verse says this. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. Verse number four, we'll stop reading there. It says, we know it is ready because of the place in scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to stop right there and see if we can unpack some things. Talk about entering God's rest. I want you to pay careful attention to what I'm about to say through the remainder of this scripture text. I need you to understand this because I have some eyes as I listen to people talk, as I, as I, as I hear what's going on in society. 
I believe that there are too many of us at, as, that are born again believers who are walking around scared and depressed because of what we see happening in society. I believe that there are many of us as born again believers, somewhere along the line, we have forgotten what God had promised us in his word. And some of us get all bent out of shape if a Republican gets elected. Some of us get bent all out of shape if a Democrat gets elected. Some of us get bent out of shape if our football team don't win the Super Bowl. Some of us get bent out of shape if whatever. We're just all in an uproar and there's so much vitriol and animosity that is pervasive in our society today. And I got news for you. If you learn how to enter God's rest, you won't be in that category of folks who are, distru- who are disrupted, discombobulated, and got their, got their nerves all worked up. Every born-again believer should be walking in such a way that the joy of the Lord is it's evident that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And why are you going around complaining? Why are you talking about, oh, it's bad. What should we going to do? I'm going to do what I've always been doing. I'm going to trust God. Are y'all with me today? So, so as we come to the words of our text, you that have been studying with us know this. The book of Hebrews uh, is a letter written to a group of Jewish Christians, uh, Hebraic Christians, Hebraic, uh, Messianic Jews, who, who were facing some intense persecution because of their decision to follow Christ. Are y'all, are y'all with me today? Because they made a decision to follow Christ, then they were, they were, they were catching hell. Any of y'all ever caught hell before for your faith? Now, some of y'all caught hell because of your decisions, but I want to know how many of you ever caught hell for standing strong in your faith? How many of y'all have been talked about? Mm-hmm. How many of you ever been, been uh, sh- uh, 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 had, had, had your presence distanced from others because they thought you were too, you, you talked about this Jesus stuff a little bit too much. Keep that at church. Oh, we don't talk about that on our team. We don't, we don't talk about that, uh, 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 you know, when, when we're uh, at the football game. We don't talk about that uh, in the grocery store. Keep that at church. Your faith should be private. How many of you know that the Bible I read does not say that our faith should be private? The Bible I read says I am supposed to be an ambassador for Christ. Hello, somebody. I am supposed to be an ambassador for Christ, a representative for Christ here in the earth realm. So, so, so this, this letter was written, and we don't know the, the author. Many theologians debate who the author was, but we do know the Holy Ghost is the one who gives man the inspiration to write the Holy Scriptures, right? So we don't know who the author is, but we know the Holy Ghost inspired it. And so, uh, for, for, so, so now these, he... This author writes this letter because there were these Jewish believers who had accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, and now they were facing persecution, and some, everybody say some, some were thinking about going back to the tenets of Judaism, you know, uh, going to the high priest, animal sacrifices, and all kind of other rituals, observing certain holy days, uh, not cutting your hair, and um, um, all kinds of stuff that was that was synonymous with their, uh, the, the, the Judaism that they came out of. They were, they, they were going to try to go back and start practicing some of this stuff so they could keep persecution off of them. Now watch this. Look, if you look at your notes, your outline, uh, for, for a Jewish person to become a believer in Christ in the first century required sacrifice. Now, if we're really honest about it, guys, come on. By and large, for the most part, in America, you can profess Christ and not have to be worried about somebody shooting you or killing you or hanging you. Come on, for the most part, right? 
Nobody's going to be coming to to drag you and throw you in jail because you say, I am a child of God. But there are other places across this globe where where they have to truly sacrifice if they're going to name the name of Christ publicly. All right? We really, if you really want to know the truth, uh, for the most part, we've had it easy. But I'm here to tell you, culture and society is changing. And I believe that the things that were prophesied in the scripture are coming to pass. That's why I told somebody the other day, I don't get upset when I see all this stuff that's happening. I don't get upset, upset when I see moral decadence happening in our society. I don't get upset. I actually get kind of excited. You know why I get excited? Because I see biblical prophecy being fulfilled. I see the Bible unfolding right before my eyes. And as a result of that, it lets me know that the Bible is true. Hello, somebody. The Bible says that that, in the last days, Paul Paul said men will not endure sound doctrine. But they're going to teach to themselves, teachers having itching ears, they're going to want teachers to tell them what they want to hear. And those who are standing for truth are going to be persecuted. So we see here in our, in our text, this writer writes this because some were thinking about going back to the old and he writes to encourage them, okay? Such a believer had to sacrifice in order to run with Jesus. Such a believer would be immediately branded as an apostate and an embarrassment to the Jewish nation. He would be considered unclean. He would, he would be expelled from the synagogue. He, he, he would lose his job, his employment, and the Jewish high priest actually had the authority to throw him in jail. All because they said, I believe in Jesus. These circumstances apparently, again, caused many of these Jewish believers to become weary in their commitment to Christ. They, be- they, be- they began to wane in their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Now, if you will, go turn with me to Hebrews, the 10th chapter right quick. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 32. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 32. Are y'all still with me today? Everybody say, I need. Ah, uh, y'all didn't. Come on now. Y'all, you got to go with me. This is the participatory sermon. It's called call and response. When I call, you respond. Can I get one witness up in here? Amen. There we go. All right, here we go. So, so, so say, say I, believe, I believe and I know, and I know. it is better for me better to, rest to rest in God. All right, watch this. So watch this. He says this, and he's writing to encourage, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant what? Listen to what he's saying now, because again, don't forget the context. The context of this letter gives you insight into what he's trying to say. Without context, we'll get confused. These Hebrew Christians, some were thinking about going back and practicing Judaism as a way to alleviate the suffering and the persecution they were going through. But notice what the writer says. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Can I bring up the modern day term? Think back when you first got saved and you were excited and on fire, reading your Bible every day. Think back to those first, think back to the time you first got saved, you wouldn't dare miss church. And now we're just, it ain't, it ain't, it, it ain't nothing but a thing. I come if I want to come, if I don't want to come, I don't want to come. Think back to those times when you wouldn't dare skip to your midweek Bible study. But now he's like, ah, you know, since the pandemic passed, I'm just kind of cool. I'm kind of chilling. Get out of your chill mode. It's time to go to work, guys. Think back. He says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Keep going. Let's go. 
Next verse says what? Sometimes you were exposed. Listen to this. Public ridicule and were beaten. I need to see the hands of everybody in this church who've been beaten because of the cause of Christ. Nobody. I don't see any hands of anybody who've been taken out and, 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 and whipped with a, a, a cane pole because you named Christ as Lord and Savior. But they were being beaten. And sometimes you help others who were suffering the same things. Look at verse number 34. Let's read it together. It says what? You suffered long with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you own was taken from you, you accepted it with what? Wow. It reminds me, I think it was James says, count it all joy when you fall into various kinds of temptation, knowing that the trying of your faith does what? Work with patience. And patience. Eventually, when it has its perfecting work, you find yourself not lacking. He says, this, you suffer along with those who were thrown in jail, and when all you own was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Now, listen, I am of the opinion, and I, I think I can prove it if I interview enough people. Many, many people in this church, if, if things started being taken away from you, if you lost your job, if your health failed you, uh, uh, if, if your money got real low, Anybody money got low before? Anybody money's got funny? You know what that means? Anybody, in, in, in your change got strange? Huh? Your bank account got so low that it was lower than a snake's belly? Listen, how many of you, when those things happen to you, begin to complain to God rather than saying, you know what, God? I don't know why this is going on in my life right now, but I love you and I trust you. God, I know if things look tight, but I'm going to be a tither and I'm a giver of offerings. God, I, I trust you that you are the supply of every one of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus and not according to what I have in my bank account. I share this with you guys all the time. My, my wife and I have been married 37 years. And when we first got, I first got out of school at Louisiana Tech, working a little job. It wasn't in my career field, but as I always tell people, do what you got to do till you get to do what you want to do. I sounded good to myself. I think I'll say that again. Do what you got to do until you get to do what you So I did construction work, Alia, for about three or four months in the wintertime with my finance degree in hand from the Louisiana Tech University in Ruston, Louisiana. And I was going to, uh, to work every day. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, I really didn't go to school for this, but I got to do what I got to do till I get to do what I want to do. And then it was a mere four months later where the Lord opened the door of opportunity where I went into a management trainee program at, a, at Washita National Bank in Monroe, Louisiana. And I spent 17 years in banking before leaving banking to start pastoring on a full-time basis. But listen, even while I was doing that, I had enough sense to know that, that, that I need to trust God. And while we were in, the, in those formative years of marriage when there was one income and she was still in school and one while she was driving back and forth from Ruston to Monroe till we moved to Monroe and uh, she, yeah, uh, what, what, which way? You were going from, from Ruston to Monroe and then we moved to Monroe, right? All right, there were times, guys, when we, were, when we looked at our bank account and, and it, it, it didn't look very impressive. But we had a promise from God. God says that give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over with men, giving you a bosom. For with the same measure that you meet out, it'll be measured back unto you again. Either I trust that or I don't. Yeah. 
He said, he rebuked the devourer for my sake when I bring the tithes and offering to the storehouse. Either I trust that or I don't. And so we decided, amen, uh, early on in our marriage that we were going to trust God. Either this word is true or it's not. And so for 37 consecutive years, we've been tithers and givers of offerings. And I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, I'm like David who said, I, 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 I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed doing what? Begging bread. Do I look like I'm begging bread for bread? Don't you laugh too hard now. But even with no time when things were tight, we learned how to trust God. We took him at his word. And so we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't charge God foolishly. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't try to blame him because things were tight. And, and to be honest about it, sometimes we made decisions that made things tight. Sometimes we go buy stuff that we shouldn't buy because we saw somebody else with it. Oh, we just wanted it. Are you listening to the words that are coming out of my mouth? Sometimes we put ourselves in predicaments because we make unwise choices. But God has always been faithful. And he supplied every one of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we didn't charge God foolishly because sometimes the enemy will come and try to disrupt your flow to get you to come against God. He says, you suffered long with those who were thrown in jail. And when all you own was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Next verse says what? So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. 36 says what? Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has what? All that he has promised. So as we look at this, again, think about this for a second. These Jewish Christians, first of all, they, 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 they initially joyfully accepted persecution. And I, but after a while, it became too much for them to bear, and their endurance weakened. While they never entertained thoughts of renouncing Jesus, they nevertheless expressed the desire to drift back into the outward observances of Judaism. In other words, the rituals the certain holy days, the dietary restrictions, the, the ceremonies and the sacrifices. And there are some people who even today who are trying to make salvation predicated on how much of this stuff you do. See, we're never saved by the stuff that we do or the days that we observe or how we dress. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of what works, lest any man should what? Boast. So I can't boast about how good I am and what I've done, how many people, people I've fed, how many times I went to church. That, that doesn't get me saved. I ought to do those things because I'm saved, but those things don't get me saved. I'm saved by grace. Everybody say grace. So, so, so uh, they, they, they were reasoning within themselves, is the writer write this text, that if they externally took part in the Jewish rituals, the Jewish high priest might be satisfied and leave them alone because they got tired of getting beat on. They got tired of getting thrown in jail. Now, I need you to understand, uh, this word of exhortation that is given here teaches that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the Old Testament law and that he is greater than all Old Testament institutions. So, so to step, for, for them to step back 
into Judaism was unacceptable because what they would be doing was they would be bringing shame to their high priest, Jesus Christ. If Jesus is my high priest, but now I go back to the high priest on the Judaism, what I'm doing, I'm bringing open shame to my high priest, Jesus Christ, who sits, sits on the right hand of the Father making intercessions for us. Are y'all still with me today? So, so the writer of Hebrews called his readers to move on to maturity in their Christian faith. These Jewish followers of Jesus must not harden their hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial. And go to Hebrews, the third chapter with me right quick. Look at this, look at this text. Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse, I think I want to look at verse 8. Thank you so much. Now, now listen. We're going to see that there was a group of people who had an opportunity to enter God's rest. The Israelites had an opportunity to enter God's rest. God's rest for them was the promised land. Canaan. Canaan was God's rest. Canaan actually, some people think it was the picture of heaven, but it really wasn't the picture of heaven. It was, it was a picture of God's rest. It was a picture of them resting in God and his promises. All right, now watch this. It says, I tell you what, let's, can we back up just a few uh, verses? Let's go back to verse, verse number six. Let's read it again. It says, what? But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house, and we are God's house, if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Let's keep reading. It says, what? That is why the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear his voice, it says, what? Next verse. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. Next verse says, what? There... There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. Next verse, let's read. It says what? So I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. Now, I got to ask you a question. Now, you may not be a part of the nation of Israel, which probably I'm, I'm guessing most of y'all are not. You're not. You may be Jewish by birth. I don't know. But, but, but the reality is, are you doing exactly what the children of Israel did? Refusing to do what God told you to do. I share with you all on numerous occasions. As your pastor, I have a responsibility to feed you the unadulterated word of God. I got, listen, I, God called me to speak truth into your life. But ultimately, you have to be the one to decide to do that truth. Are you with me today? And, and what I'm afraid of is there are many believers who are sitting here and who are not uh, 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 being obedient to the revealed truth that you're getting from God's word. The word of God is like a two-edged sword. It, it cuts us. As a matter of fact, go with me if you can find it right quick. Second Timothy, I believe it is. Let's go to the third chapter. And I, I want you all to see something here because sometimes we think we are a certain place and we're really not. Sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that we are following God's uh, directive, but we're really not. Second Timothy chapter number three, verse number 14. Let's go to verse 14. Second Timothy three, verse number 14. Are y'all still with me? Everybody say, entering God's rest. See, God's rest is a perfect place for all of us to be. Watch the text. Paul is writing this to his young 
pastoring son by the name of Timothy. Timothy was his, his, his protege. Paul was pouring into him, teaching him and instructing him about how to be a pastor and how to lead well. All right? It's always good to have somebody pouring into your life, teaching you some things that you don't know. Right? Watch this. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Who's talking here? Oh, I didn't hear. Come on, who's talking? The Apostle Paul, who's he talking to? Timothy, his young son in the ministry. Timothy was a pastor. He tells Timothy, you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. How many of y'all played athletics? And we got basketball here. How many of y'all played athletics coming up in high school on the collegiate level? Okay. When, when you're, when you're, uh, there's a reason why you have to have coaches to coach a team. You can have superstar players, but if you don't have somebody directing them and coaching them, that team will not be as successful as a team that has somebody instructing them and having the guys to do the things that they've been instructed to do. Right? One of, one, 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 one of my assignments when we played cover four, Danny, uh, when I was playing ball at Louisiana Tech, I was in free safety. My job on cover four was to cover deep middle. It wasn't, it, my job was not to blitz the quarterback on cover four. If I decided on a wild hair to go and blitz because I want to get a sack, and then they step back and the, and the receiver runs a post pattern right in the area where I was supposed to be covering deep middle, then they score a touchdown because I wouldn't follow my instructions. Hello? Sometimes you, it may not look, and, and, and I, I will tell you all this, sometimes when you're watching football or basketball, especially when you're watching football or, or even baseball on television, sometimes we holler and fuss at people who we shouldn't be hollering and fussing at because we don't have any clue exactly what's going on. You ain't, you don't, all you know is that's the offense, that's the defense. You don't know what coverage they're in, and you'll blame this guy up here at the roll corner, cover two, the guy who's supposed to have flats and the guy runs by him, you think it's his fault, but it wasn't his fault because the safety was supposed to be over the top getting the guy who ran past him. But you hollering at the cornerback because you don't know any better. <laughs> See, it's good to understand strategy. And in the body of Christ, one of the things that we got to learn is we have to learn how to do church and do life God's way. And look at what this text says when Paul tells him this, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Next verse. Let's go, guys. Watch this. You have been taught, you have been, you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by how? The trusting in Christ. Verse 16, we're going to get to. Watch this, watch this. Can we read out loud on purpose? Let's read. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful, watch this, to teach us what is true and to do what? Watch this. It it teaches us what is true and it makes us, how many of you know we have to be made to realize that we're wrong sometimes? Because sometimes we think we're right and we can be just as wrong as two left shoes. Right? He says, the scripture teaches us what is true and it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. What does that? The Holy Scripture does. So let me ask you a question. If you were survey, to, to survey your time as a believer and you'll walk with the Lord on the average week or on the average month or in the average year, how much time do you spend 
searching the scriptures to find out what's right, what's true, and what's wrong in your life. Because according to this, you're not going to know that until you get in the book. I didn't say you wouldn't save. You may have accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. But how are you going to know what's true and how are you going to know what's wrong? He says the scriptures know what teaches us what is true and it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. I submit to you, and I've said this, I think it was last week. Sometimes we don't really know where we really stand until we come up against the word of God. Until we see the word before our eyes, because we think we're better than we are. Every man proclaims his own goodness, the Bible says, but a faithful man who can find. All of us think we're all right <laughs> until we look in the book and find out, you know what? That wasn't right for me to do that. That was not right for me to take those box of pins from work. Oh, it's not going to hurt, brother pastor. They got a thousand of those there. God is watching you. Did they buy those for you to take home to your children to send them to school with stolen pins? They got your little kindergartner an accessory to the crime. It's just little stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, I think about stuff like that. I think about stuff like not parking in a handicapped parking spot. That's illegal. They will write you a ticket. <laughs> it was so funny. We went to a gospel concert uh, um, Monday. Was it past Monday? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, it was a group of us going and we wanted to sit together. But they said no saving seats. And you should have saw us trying to finagle our way around that. You sit over here. You put your purse right there. Now, some of y'all looking at me like, brother pastor, that's just, that's just being ridiculous. What, what, come on. The, the rule of the house said no saving seats. Right? Y'all, y'all getting real quiet on me right now. Well, I don't want to sit beside somebody. I don't know what you're there to praise the Lord, not talk to your neighbor. I'm just, just, just think about that for a second. How many of you know some things in life are nothing more than a test to see how you're going to handle it? Something simple as when that person, now you're, you're okay if nobody came to sit down there, but here's what you messed up. When they said, is anybody sitting in this seat? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now we all got into line. Okay, y'all, I, I I'm telling you, stuff in life is nothing more than a test. Here you are with your saved self, Bible marking, highlighting scripture, tongue talking, Holy Ghost dancing self, and just lie, just quick, lie, just lie so quick you ain't even think about it. God is watching that. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to tell us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life because you didn't think that was wrong. You didn't think it was wrong to park in the handicapped spot, run in the store, get some milk, and come right back out. But it was. And God is watching you. He's watching you. He said, mm, mm, mm. I don't think, I wanted to bless him with 50,000, but I can't trust him to park in the right spot. 
I want to trust them with 500000 but they won't tie at $10 an hour. I want to open some things up for them, but I see some character issues that I got to deal with because if I bless them and elevate them right now with those character flaws, the devil's going to get them right up high there and then sort a limb off them under. So I got to deal with them right now. Some of y'all hadn't moved from your job right now because God's still trying to work on you, work on your attitude. Some of y'all, God had to do some, 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 some things to kind of get you to looking back toward him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so, because it's so easy for us to get wavered. Can I keep moving? Oh, watch, all scripture inspired by God is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects, corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Last verse, watch this says, God uses it. What is it? The word of God to do what? To prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So the word is sort of like a, 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 uh, a playbook, if you will, football players. In, in basketball, y'all have playbooks? Or y'all, am I old, too old school? Do they still do written? I'm talking to y'all guys. Do y'all have a playbook or y'all just memorize the plays? Y'all just memorize them? Okay, got up here. That's good. That's good, good. Listen, listen. If you're going to be on, in tune with your team, you got to know what the plays are. Right? You have to know what the audibles are. All right, when there's a blitz coming. There's nine men in the box. They're playing, DB's playing man-to-man, and, and the linebackers are getting ready to, to blitz and just come and try to tear the quarterback's head off. Somebody needs to know that a hot route needs to be called because we don't have enough men to block all those guys. But you don't know the playbook. He called red hot, and you're like, what color is that? Because you didn't study the playbook. See, there's some stuff that the enemy is doing. It's not, it, it ain't anything new. He's been tripping men up for thousands of years, but you get tripped up because you think it ain't going to happen to me. Oh, I can, I can take my date out and, and we can come back home and listen to some smooth jazz in the apartment. Listen to some old school uh, R&B guys like Luther Vandross. Teddy Pendergrass. Some of you are like, who is Teddy Pendergrass? How many of y'all know who Teddy Pendergrass is? I was. He's dead now. Who was that? Was that, was that him that says? Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Look at some of y'all. Turn off the lights and light a candle. Oh, that's, that, that hit hard with some of y'all. I, I felt some of y'all like, ooh, I felt it. It's, it isn't it amazing how, how music has a way of, of, of changing your mood? Hello, somebody. Husbands, husbands I, listen, listen. I love Amazing Grace, but when, when, I'm, when I'm getting ready to be intimate with my wife, I, 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 I love Amazing Grace, but I, I'm probably not playing Amazing Grace. <laughs> I hope I hurt your feelings, but, but and you are not, you're not either. Come on. <laughs> Music has a way of changing moods. But now watch it. <laughs> Y'all got me off the point. Watch this, watch this. 
God uses it, the scripture, to prepare and equip his people to do what? Every good work. So now if he uses the word, the scripture, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work, but you're not spending any time in the word, how are you going to be prepared to do every good work? Oh, you're different, though. You're different than everybody else, right? This ain't talking to you because you're different. You just come to church and just listen and you're good. Everybody say not. See, God uses his word to get us where we need to be. Can I keep moving? Now, <laughs> let me get back to this fourth chapter of Hebrews. In this fourth chapter of Love of Hebrews, the writer powerfully expresses the significance of the choice that his generation of believers, like the Exodus generation, had to make. Uh, they can respond to the word spoken in Christ with unbelief and incur the anger of God and never know rest, or they could fully trust and respond to what God is saying and experience the blessing of a rest that only God can provide. They can learn how to enter God's rest, that rest that, 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 that only God can provide. You know, the good news about rest is this. The key word in Hebrews in this fourth chapter is rest. It occurs nine times in the first 13 verses of this chapter. But what is rest? Well, there are three Hebrew words uh, that are used to convey the idea of rest in the Old Testament. First one is sabbat, which implies reaching the end of an activity followed by peacefulness. I remember this very vividly when I was playing ball at Tech, and then we had, we had conditioning drills. And while you were doing those conditioning drills, it's particularly if you were not in shape. In other words, you went home, back in those days, you went home during the summer, and you worked a summer job. Nowadays, they keep them there all year round, pretty much. But back then, you had to go home, you worked, and you came back, and you had to be in shape in order to meet the conditioning drill. Now, while you were doing those conditioning drills, it felt like sometimes your insides are about to come out. And y'all had to run wind sprints before? Y'all know, anybody know what a wind sprint is? Oh, we call them gassers. Y'all know what a gasser is? What do they call, what, what do y'all call them now when you have to do conditioning? Anybody, is, there, is there another word for them? Gassers, y'all call them gassers still? So, so while you're doing that, you, you, you sometimes feel like I am not going to make it. I, I'm, I'm going to faint. I'm going to pass out. But you have to keep pushing your way through. And so your body, the more you push your way through, the more your body gets conditioned to be able to, to go to the next level. Are y'all tracking with me today? So, 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 but, but again, but after you finish those, that was, that you finish those things and you were finished, it's like a peace or a calm came over you. Or when you finish your work week, Worked all week, then Friday comes, and you know you're going to be off. It's like, I've, 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 the, first, the first word is what we say, sabbat, which implies reaching the end of an activity followed by peacefulness. When the end of the week comes, then you like, there's a rest that goes there. Okay? I know for me it is. Okay? And the next word is nuah, which indicates security and a sense of inner ease. Okay? And the last one is sequat, which conveys the idea of finding tranquility. So the first readers of this letter must have wondered, given the stuff that they were going through, how could they know the inner peace and comfort that they actually longed for? How can I, in the midst of persecution, be resting in Jesus? How can I, when things are not quite going the way I want to go, how can I still have that kind of peace that surpasses all understanding, that keeps my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. How can I do that? I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to be that believer that no matter what's going on around me, I'm going to be resting in Jesus. I'm going to be entering into God's rest. And there's a process to get there. 
And listen to me, believers, 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 believers. We ought to be showing the world how to do this thing. We should not be all upset, all all discomforted, all worried because of what's happening inside. My question to you is, who do you believe is in control? If you believe that God is in control, what are you worrying about? As a matter of fact, let's do this right quick. If you will, I think it's in Philippians, the fourth chapter. And let's look at verse six and seven. Philippians chapter number four. Are you still with me today? Everybody say entering God's rest. Watch this, watch this. Verse six. Can we read this out loud and on purpose? Ready? Let's read. Stop. Who's writing? The Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church at Philippi. Notice what he tells them. You that know the English language understand that there's an understood you there. You don't have to write it in there. It's understood. What does it say? Do not worry about anything except this report I got from the doctor. Don't worry about anything except this test I got coming up and I'm not sure if I'm going to pass it. That's not what it says. Don't worry about anything except this relationship that's going sour and I'm about to lose my mind. As a matter of fact, I I, I want to check out because I don't think I can live without him or live live without her. Let me me tell you something right now. If the devil comes and tells you something like that, you can live without him or her. No person is so important that you can't keep living without them. I know sometimes we have loved ones who go go on with the Lord, but I'm talking about somebody who just decided they're going to leave you because they don't want you anymore. She broke up with you, and now you're in a state of depression. You can't think. You can't even play. Everything is... What was me? Let me tell you something. If you could fast forward 10 years from today's date, you'd be thanking God if she left. If God just gave you a prophetic vision to see where she was and what she was doing and how she was acting, you're like, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Listen, God loves you, and, and, and you are important. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, do what? Pray about everything. That's what it says. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Are y'all with me today? Look at verse 7. Watch this. Watch this. Then, now when you, when you don't worry about anything, but you pray about everything, tell God. Back, back up. Look at it again. Look at it again. Watch this. Can we read it out loud together? Let's read it out loud. I need to hear y'all. Let's go. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he's done. I like what Jesus said. Uh, have faith in God. I'm going to go there just a second. I'm not going to finish today. I, this is a continuation. Y'all know that, right? <laughs> for those who are new, I do series. And sometimes my series just kind of promulgate themselves and go on and on and on. But sometimes while I'm teaching, Holy Ghost will say, drop that in there. And I got to be a little bit more disciplined. You know, but sometimes I just, I got the luxury of coming back next week. It's kind of like the soap. How many of y'all remember the soap operas on General Hospital on Friday? 
Or should they have a cliffhanger? The guy gets ready to open the door and go in and catch. And then Laurie goes off. And you're like, doggone, how can I make sure? I'm watching money. Money don't even show their old scene again. Because they're trying to keep you hooked. All right, so, so you got to come back. That's some good stuff I'm going to talk about next week on church anniversary Sunday. You need to come back. If you can't make it back, view us online. Because you don't want to miss. Because I'm going to talk about the faith. How do we get faith? And how does that work in our lives? Because most Christians, I would surmise, don't really understand how faith works. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. The person that comes to God has to believe that God is and that he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. All right, so watch it. Can we read together? I know I stopped y'all in the middle of the reading, but let's go again. Y'all ready? One, two, let's go. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Next verse says this. Let's go. Then you will experience. But that's after you've done verse six. You're not going to experience God's peace until you do verse six. Does that make sense? Let's go. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can. Ooh-wee. Everybody said, ooh-wee. See, God's peace is so powerful, you, you can't even understand it. People, 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 people who watch you said, he ought to be losing his mind, but I'm just sitting there resting in Jesus. I'm, I'm in God's rest. Why, you lost everything. You lost your job. You lost your car. You if I lose my house, I can get another one. If I lose a car, I can get another one. Can I get a witness? Why aren't you? Why why aren't you? Why aren't you? Why why aren't you just losing it? Because this peace, which exceeds anything that I could even—I don't even know why I ain't worried. But I'm not. I'm not worried because I'm in Nate God's rest. And then when I'm in God's rest, worry ain't got no place there because I'm operating in faith. Hebrews 11, I think it's verse 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. The person that comes to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of them that do what? Diligently seek him. So then you will experience God's peace, which is sees anything you can, we can understand. His peace, what, what will his peace do? Come on, talk to me. What will his rest do? It will do what? It will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, now, so, so, guys, the writer of Hebrews, these first readers of this letter must have wondered, given the stuff that they were going through, how could they know the inner peace and comfort that they were looking for? Well, the writer of Hebrews has the answer for the early Jewish Christians and for us today. And it hinges on our response to God's word. Look at these warnings, and I'm going to stop on this, okay? And I'll pick up on next week. There's some warnings that are given throughout this book, and I'm, I just want you, I'm going to give them to you. We don't have time to unpack them today, but I want you to just hear the warnings throughout this book. Number one, he warned them, don't drift from what you've heard. You know what it means to drift? Drift means that you don't just leave all of a sudden and just go away. But what happens to most Christians is it's a slow, it's a slow pulling away. It's gradual. It's, well, you miss one son. It's not a big deal. You know, got some stuff going on. I'm just missing. I'm, I'm going to chill today. Then all of a sudden you miss two Sundays and you miss your midweek service. Not a big deal. I'm still, I'm still at most times. Then all of a sudden you miss three and now you're comfortable missing three. And now you're only there one Sunday a month. And then, well, back up. 
not, not even just coming to church. But see, we, we think our Christianity is about coming to church. But I'm telling you, we, we, we have a paradigm shift going on here. I, I'm trying to change the way you think about what it means to be a, a follower of Christ. God wants us to be doers of the word. God wants us to be involved in outreach. God wants to be involved in, 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 in reaching others with the gospel, evangelism. God wants us to do more than just come to church and sit and listen, have, listen to the songs, listen to the Holy Hand, listen to me talk to you for 55 minutes. He wants you to do more than that. He wants you to connect in authentic community with other believers where you can draw strength to one another and you can serve together and help each other grow. But the reality is, you got to get out of your comfort zone to do that. So some of y'all like being by yourself. Let me come to this side over here. Some of y'all kind of funny like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're a good person. You die, you're going to heaven. You love Jesus. But you're kind of funny about that, like that. You, you, you sort of like, well, you know, I kind of like my time. Well, listen, God says, you belong to me. And I want you to glorify me in your body and your spirit, which both belong to me. So if God, if my body belongs to God and my spirit belongs to God, then God ought to be able to use whatever he wants to use in me. And he wants to, if he wants to use my story, my experience to help reach somebody else, I ought to make that available for him to use. So I got to get out. I got to get out of me. I got to stop doing me and say, Jesus, I surrender my all to you. Are y'all with me today? All right. All right, all right. So, so, so drifting, drifting happens when we, you know, we start out one, now it's two, now it's three. We start out serving, then now all of a sudden we don't serve anymore. And then we get comfortable not serving. We get comfortable not doing anything for the Lord, really. I mean, you no, know, you know, we read a little bit, but are you, when was the last time you shared your faith with somebody? Been that long, huh? When's the last time you helped somebody who was struggling, spiritually speaking? When's the last time? When's the last time you gave up of your time to do something to help your church? To help the body of Christ. It may not even be this church. Because again, I'm not one who believes that all the work has to be just from here. There, there are other people who are doing good, godly work that you can partner with and serve. As a matter of fact, I believe that part of our responsibility at EBC is to interject ourselves into the culture, to interject ourselves into society, into the community, so that people can know us and, and, and have a relationship with us. So that at that point in time, as we build those relationships with other people besides those we see on Sunday, then now we get an opportunity to speak into their life. But you don't, you're not going to do that if you're never around anybody but you, who you see on Sunday. If you're never around anybody that, that don't look like you, don't think like you. How are you going to influence them if you're never even around? Do you realize that Jesus oftentimes ate with people who the religious leaders would have had a fit if those people even uh, darkened the doors of their house? But Jesus sitting there chilling with them, eating with them, doing his thing with rank sinners, tax collectors, wine bibbers, drunkards. People who consider me low life, but there Jesus is. Not doing the same thing they were doing, but he was representing, he's God in human flesh, and he's there ministering to them. Told Zacchaeus, get out of that tree. Tonight I'm coming to your house and I'm having dinner. 
the dreaded tax collector, Jesus called him out and said, I'm coming over to your house. How many of y'all, if I told you I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight? How many of y'all will let me in? Or how many of y'all will be there alone? Shh, shh, shh. Be quiet. Pastor's out there. Hide the Jack Daniels. Put the weed away. He'll be gone in a minute. Don't say nothing. Turn the lights off. Jesus calls Zacchaeus down and said, I'm coming to your house. And guys, Zacchaeus got saved. And Zacchaeus was so saved, guys. He said, if I cheat anybody, I'm going to pay him back, what is it, four times? Whatever. What I cheated him out of. Guys, we got to be more open to letting God use us. So, 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 here's what we got to, here, here's the caution. I'm going to read this in my time. I'm finishing on time today. I got 40 seconds. Don't drift from what you've heard. Number two, don't disbelieve God's voice. God's word and his voice are one and the same. Don't drift from God's word. Don't despise truth. And don't devalue God's grace. Those are five warnings he gave these folks. Don't drift from what you've heard. Don't disbelieve God's voice. Don't drift from God's word. Don't despise truth. Because when you hear truth, what do you do with it? Do you start despising it because it hits you? Or do you receive it and say, ouch, that's me, and I'm going to do better. I ain't going to complain. I ain't going to get mad at you, Pastor. I'm just going to do better. I'm, I'm going to do my best to follow God's word. And guys, on, on next week, I, we'll talk about this because I think it's important to give it. We'll talk about the faith of God, how it brings rest to our lives. Entering God's rest. The nation of Israel, an entire generation failed to enter that rest. But these believers here who are thinking about going back into Judaism, they were warned, don't do that because what you have with Jesus is better than what you came out of. Jesus gave his life for you and I so that we could have the privilege to have a relationship with the triune God. He gave his life so that you and I could connect with the God who created the heavens and the earth. I'm telling you, salvation is exciting. Salvation is not some boring, mundane experience. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I I enjoy life. And I enjoy resting in God's rest. I've entered his rest. And I'm at a season in life that I'm not going to let anything turn me around. Not my mother, not my father, not my sister, not my brother. I'm going to stand with God. Jesus gave his life so that you and I could, first of all, know him personally. And we have the privilege to enter God's rest. Where are you now? Are you worried? Are you upset? Or are you walking in that peace that surpasses all understanding? Every head bowed, every eye closed.